So what's the big problem with wealth creation? How do people like us, who didn't inherit a boatload of money, who are investing and building wealth from our own blood, sweat and tears, how do we invest in a way that gives us remarkable results and become financially free before retirement age? I don't know about you, but I am sick of hearing from wealth gurus and experts who don't walk their own talk and prescribe strategies that are a one-size-fits-all approach. For self-made people like you and me, I'm here to tell you that you don't need to be superhuman or already wealthy to reach financial freedom earlier than 65. This is the Alternative Investing Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today is going to be a fun episode. I am going to walk you through a recent deal that I've done to give you some sort of insight into why the market continues to present very lucrative opportunities. And it's really about being in the right networks at the right time that is really going to determine your access to these kinds of opportunities. So essentially, uh, I haven't done a huge number of podcast episodes on deals themselves. So this is kind of like maybe a shift towards, uh, for those of you who keep asking me, like, what about the deals? What about the deals? A shift towards doing more of these kinds of episodes. Now, my reluctance, I should actually qualify, my reluctance to do these sorts of episodes is that people often, when it comes to the alternative space, the first thing they say is, show me the deals, just show me the deals. And there is so much from a wealth building perspective that needs to be considered in terms of the actions that you take, the thinking, the education, that I tend to feel like the actual deals themselves are pretty much the last thing that you should be focused on. But I have had countless uh, emails and communications from you guys telling me that you want some, uh, you want to see the sexy showcase of, of some good deals. So I will start to incorporate some of these into my uh, schedule for podcast episodes. So this particular deal that I want to showcase today was a syndicated deal. Um, for those of you who don't know what a syndication is, it's essentially a group of investors that work with a single deal maker to purchase a specific asset, one asset. Obviously, I've, I've covered what syndications are in greater depth in past podcast episodes. So, please go back and listen to that if you're interested in, in going deeper. But essentially, you know, what I really love about syndicated opportunities is there's absolute clarity on what the asset is, how it's going to be managed. It's really uh, easy to get a very deep cut through into how the project is going to be executed over what period of time, what all the variables are. You can get very detailed analyses on profit and loss and cash flow. Uh, and so from the viewpoint of making investment decisions with a high degree of transparency control, a lot of people really love this strategy and I, I certainly do as well. So, I guess, you know, this particular deal sponsor, um, one of the things I really like about them is that they have a proven track record. So, the strategy that they're executing is a syndicated model of a hotel to apartment conversion. So, one of the opportunities that emerged as a result of COVID was the kind of the second tier hotels and motels, a lot of them going belly up. And so, 
what has presented as an opportunity is that combined with the ridiculous shortfall of suitable housing and affordable housing, this hotel to apartment conversion has become a very lucrative strategy, obviously, for investors, but also, in my mind, a very socially minded a way to kind of create some high quality um, affordable housing for those people who can't otherwise afford a standard apartment. So there's a bunch of things I'll cover about this particular deal, but the social minded aspect was definitely one that really appealed to me. So in this particular deal, uh, essentially the managers have done this uh, particular strategy many times before. Their purchase cost per unit is relatively low in contrast to say, for example, them going out and just buying a block of units that are already uh, with or you know have individual tenants. And essentially what they're going to do is work with the local uh, government to convert the motel or hotel into individual units that can be rented um, to individual tenants. So essentially the property is bought vacant. So there is no cash flow initially. And then over time, as each unit becomes renovated, they start to put in a a tenant into those units. So it's uh, a two-year project. The kind of creation of income is uh, steady, but slow. And essentially, they're going to convert by adding some amenities to each of the units, such as kitchenettes and things like that. And majority in this particular case will end up being either one bedroom units or studio apartments. Now, in this particular market, there is a huge short supply of these particular units and they're in high, high demand. There is a um, almost, I, th- I think it's less than 1% vacancy in this particular market. And the expectation is that once they work with the local government to convert into individual units from a valuation perspective, as many of you are aware, the commercial valuations of these types of properties are based on the income. Over the two-year project plan, they will take this property in terms of the the cost per unit up significantly. In terms of the the current purchase price, they're actually getting quite a significant discount because they're actually buying it as a a once operating hotel, 440 one-bedroom units. And the scope of works are that they are going to do cosmetic renovations only. So, if I were to kind of tell you what is it that I love about this deal, there's a series of things. Number one, I love that there is no construction risk. And when I say that, what I mean is that there's no ground up construction. And in the current environment with supply chain issues, cost of materials really um, becoming very problematic for a lot of ground up construction deals. This kind of project is really awesome because the minor or the cosmetic renovation that they're going to do to each unit doesn't require highly skilled labor. So there's, you know, there's no, there's going to be no issues around, you know, needing sophisticated equipment or anything like that. And, and, you know, supply of materials is going to be minimal in terms of dependency there. A lot of the work can be done by more kind of or less qualified handyman type 
uh, workers, which there are plenty of in this particular area. And so from my perspective, I see that the risk of blowout in terms of costs associated with construction and timelines is minimal. I love that the, the deal sponsor is experienced. This is a complex strategy to some degree. It sounds very simple on the surface, but the execution of this strategy is quite complex. There's a lot of moving parts in terms of not only the property management, but the management of the renovation combined with the repurposing of the hotel into individual units. So there's a a series of, I guess, speed humps that need to be properly managed in order for this to be a successful project. So I love that this is certainly not this deal operator's first rodeo. So the proven track record matters greatly to me. And, you know, what I've started to witness, particularly in the alternative space, is that where deal sponsors or or deal operators are very inexperienced, they have no choice but to offer the lion's share of the return to the investors, which can be incredibly attractive to a lot of people. But I personally would rather take a more modest return and work with someone who really, really knows their stuff. I like that the strategy is very niche meaning there's not hundreds of people trying to compete. That means that from a deal perspective, um, this particular deal maker can go in and cherry pick deals with exceptional returns where alpha and outsized returns can be created. I love, as I've already said, that this is a very socially minded deal. The sorts of uh, properties available in, say, for example, the one bedroom market in this particular area have rents that will be somewhere in the vicinity of 20% higher than the rents that will be charged in this particular facility once it's done. It is a very beautifully finished apartment complex when it's done. It has gyms, pools, all the facilities basically that you would have in a hotel. And people who would otherwise be in pretty ordinary one-bedroom units with none of those facilities are going to have almost a resort style of accommodation. So the rooms will be obviously a little smaller. You'll have obviously not big, beautiful kitchens, but more like kitchenettes. But this is a very, very attractive product not only for the younger millennials and Gen Zs, but also, you know, just working class people who are wanting to live in a particular area but can't otherwise afford the rents. So it is fabulous from a social point of view. The metrics around this particular deal are very compelling. There's a lot of market data about what each unit will be worth on completion based on actual sales. There's a lot of information about comparative rents and what they expect to earn from a rental perspective. There's a very detailed project plan outlining how value will be basically essentially created through basic renovations and um, repurposing. So, you know, the metrics are super exciting. And just to give you an idea of what that looks like, Essentially, the equity that is being raised amongst investors is about 4.5 million. The deal itself is worth about, I think, 15 to 20. The targeted internal rate of return is on exit after two years, about 20.3%. And that means roughly over those two years, you're making about one and a half times your capital back. There is a preferred return, meaning the first 
8% that is earned per annum will come to me before anybody else. So what I like about this concept of preferred return, it means that I get paid before the deal maker. And it's a really exciting way to make sure that the deal makers, I guess, the remuneration is aligned with my interest. So everything after that 8% gets shared between me and other investors and then the deal maker. And it's a, it's a two-year deal. The other thing I really like about this particular deal is that the deal maker themselves has skin in the game. It's always interesting to see the number of deals that are out there where um, the deal maker doesn't actually put their own money into the deal. And I know that if you're really wanting to align interests, then it's really important that we all have skin in the game. That kind of gives you an overview. The minimum investment on this particular deal was $50,000. So they are looking for a better caliber of investor. You do need to be, by our definition, a wholesale investor. And, you know, essentially the way that this project will roll out and has rolled out in the past, it's pretty much a set and forget Um, from the view of that, you know, I will have quarterly reports where they'll let me know what's happening, how the project is going, any kind of hiccups or wins that have been created during that quarter. Um, So, the reporting side, which is really, really important is, um, you know, the fun part, I suppose, for me as an investor, just to kind of keep my finger on the pulse of what's happening. But what I really love is I don't have to do anything. I don't have to deal with tenants and toilets. And, you know, I used to talk a lot about this. in earlier episodes. But part of the attraction for me with a lot of these alternative real estate deals is I don't have to deal with any of the day-to-day management. If someone doesn't turn up for work, it's not my problem. If there's you know hiccups or if uh, the day-to-day management is challenging, it's not my problem because I am passive, completely passive in this deal. So, obviously, the flip side of that is being passive means I have no say about paint color choices or finishes or anything like that. But frankly, given this particular deal operator's track record, I don't really care either. I, I've, I've seen the work they've done. I've seen the standard of finishes and I'm, I'm satisfied that the, um, the way that this will be managed is adequate from my point of view. The final thing that I would say about this deal, which I love, is that there are multiple exits. Now, you guys have heard me talk about you know, why one of the reasons I really love alternative is that particularly the way that these deals are structured is there are often multiple exit strategies. In most cases, as is this case in this one, we don't really care what happens economically. Whether the market moves up, down or sideways, this is still a killer deal. And from an exit point of view, the simple clean exit that the or the preferred exit that the deal maker is looking for is a is a nice clean sale. Now obviously if things turn to customer in the market, that could mean that it might not be an optimal time to sell. And most of these guys don't like to leave money on the table. So, although the preferred exit is a sale, if for any reason the market does turn to custard and the, the sale price just isn't what they want it to be, they have the option of just continuing to keep it cash flowing. By the time they get to the two-year mark, and the property's you know fully occupied the cash flow will be significant and as an investor i'm perfectly happy to keep receiving um you know a double digit return from a cash flow point of view while the market just sort of does its thing um there's also options around refinancing and paying back 
uh, investor capital, but allowing investors to continue to participate in the cash flow. So there's a couple of different scenarios there, but essentially what I like is that they're not going to, or they're not going to be forced to sell at any price. So, you know, again, from a risk perspective, I look at this and I look at how it sits within the current environment. And I think it's a really good project to be part of. So I'm just having a think about, let me go back to my little document here. Let me see if there's anything else worth mentioning. Yeah, no, look, I think I think that's kind of like the main thing. I think the exciting part is that essentially they're buying each unit at about 114000 and the targeted sale price in two years is going to be about 215000 per unit. So that is a huge increase uh, and uplift. There's a lot of fat in this deal. There's a lot of margin for error. And essentially, I believe that the actual internal rate of return will exceed expectation as has been the case in the past. So, you get a sense of how exciting and juicy these deals are. And as I say, like a broken record, it's a little bit like being in a lolly shop. You've got your little paper bag and, you know, your few coins of money. And the biggest challenge is which lollies to choose. So, anyway, guys, I hope this has been interesting for you and look forward to catching up with you soon. Take care. You've been listening to the Alternative Investing Podcast. If you're feeling frustrated that despite doing everything right in the property investing playbook and you're no closer to financial freedom, then head on over to inkosiwealth.com to learn more about how you can use alternative investments to catapult your investing income and blend strategies to shave decades off your timeline to financial freedom. See you on the next episode.